Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. I'm excited to get things rolling for 2020. I've enjoyed the 2010s very much, and 2019 was great. Uh, but one thing you will not see is one of those like collages of my most liked photos on social media. Like Those are fun, but only for the person whose profile it actually is. Like, why would you want to see some of my old photos again in a worse format, like a little block? I don't know. I guess people just like to share. But if you if you were inclined, you could still follow me on Instagram. It's reinforce underscore running underscore rich for a lot of running and OCR related content. All right. So speaking of, we have Spartan Pro Mark Batris joining me today. And Mark is a high level runner, like a five time all-American type of runner and a and also a 219 marathoner and that's sub 520s for 26.2 miles in case you were trying to do that math in your head I got you covered um, so Mark hit the road hard for a few years before he found OCR and his fast running did not make him an instant success at OCR he had to work his ass off and dedicate himself to getting better at this sport just like anyone else and now he is one of the best in the world and Mark is also a coach of runners and OCR athletes, so he has a lot of valuable content to share, including why the fastest runners are not always the best at OCR, the mindset to overcome an injury, and in Mark's case, he had a pretty devastating, career-threatening injury that he went to detail with and, and shared with us, uh, and the value of coaching and why you should want your coach to also have a coach, and also why you should floss your teeth starting today. So lots of good stuff. And I'll bring it right to you, so please rate and review. You can do that right now. And, of course, subscribe to get all the newest episodes right to your podcast feed. Also, we will be opening a few coaching spots starting in this new year. We have coaches available to help you get faster for your next road or trail race, and also a few spots if you want to work with me directly to help help you improve your OCR results for 2020. Here's Mark Batris. All right, welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I'm your host. Today, our guest is Mark Batris. Mark, what's up, dude? Hey, how's it going, man? Good, super good. So, Mark, we know you're an awesome athlete and established coach, really good on the roads, really good in OCR currently. Um, we're going to plenty of time to talk about it. We're going to talk about that. But before that, I want I have a couple of questions that I just want to like launch at you. Okay. What do you What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. So these aren't like right, like uh, right or wrong answers. I'm not quizzing you. They're just answers, and we're just gonna go off of it. So they don't have to be super short. You can answer them however you want, and I'm gonna like probably respond back to it. So, all right. So in the spirit of the season, it is December 30th uh, for the historians out there. 2019, almost 2020. So, what is your idea of a good time on New Year's Eve? Uh, say it again. What'd you say? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're good. Of, uh, it out. So, what is your idea of a good time on New Year's Eve? Oh, okay. Uh, well, we have kids, so uh, basically, uh, we do the Eastern. We do. We live on the West Coast, but we do the East Coast um, uh, New Year's. So, that's at nine o'clock. Um, that's not bad. I'll, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, this year, I'm limi- limiting myself to uh, two beers, <laughs> uh, 
And then um, that's it. Uh, the next day, I think I have a 15-mile run. So <laughs> Getting it started right. Yeah, I can't get too crazy. Uh, i gotta, I got to make sure everything's pretty dialed in to get that 15 in. So I feel decent. Yeah. You don't want to suffer through 15 miles the first the kick off the year with the 15 awful miles. Yeah, yeah, no, don't want to do that. <laughs> Have you tried those um those non alcoholic craft beers, those uh, athletic brews that some of the OCR people are like? No, I haven't tried those. I'm like, when I drink, I I, I really want the alcohol. I don't know. <laughs> so I I haven't tried them at all. Yeah. They're interesting because they're kind of disorienting because. Yeah. They like taste like a craft beer, and like you kind of feel a little bit different. And you're like, wait, am I just like psyching myself out here? Um, but that's kind of how I thought about them. I was like, if I'm gonna drink the extra calories and, and everything, like, why would I not want the actual booze? Yeah. Now your body goes through like a process, like um, when you ingest anything, uh, it, it like automatically prepares for what it thinks is gonna come. So mm. same thing with like sugar, like that's why like, you know, when you have like um, alternatives to sugar, it's like they don't help because your body's already doing the process because it's it's thinking that sugar's coming into your body. So it's like, yeah, diet, like diet, um, colas and all that stuff. They they don't do anything to improve your health at all because your body still thinks this is sugar. So it automatically starts the response and then. Like you have the same feeling like when you have non-alcoholic beer, your body starts going through the response of, oh, I'm having alcohol. I better start doing this process. Start processing it out. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like you start feeling like a little like, oh, man, I think I'm I, I don't I know there's no alcohol. But for some reason, I think I'm getting drunk. But... I'm a little sillier than I was a little bit ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting about the, the like artificial sweetener aspect because it does – People will still get like addicted to that and have that same type of physical response to things. Mm-hmm. Like, people crush diet soda, um, and it's almost they almost end up preferring it, and not even because it's like the less in calories or whatever. It's because they just feel the same. They get that same like release of feel goods for that. Right? Huh? Yep. So if you want to feel half buzz for like a minute, have a <laughs> non-alcoholic beer. It's great. Yeah, there it um, is. So. Your your wife is at, is an outstanding athlete as well. So, do you mm-hmm. get low key mad when she places better at, than you at a race? No, I'm I'm thoroughly excited. Um, it's been like you know, for Natalie, it's like she never had like really like um, kind of the success I had like in track and field and cross country. So, I, I I've seen her like work really hard for so many years. It's just kind of like now that everything is starting to click and everything's starting to do well, I'm like, I'm just so happy when she does well. So it's like, you know, it, it's just, it's really good. When I see her do well and I'm just so happy after. So, yeah. No, no competition that that's way. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That, that's good. Has she ever flat out beat it. you? Uh, yeah. Like it, it. Has her time ever been better um, than yours on a course? No. No, um, she's, uh, she's gotten, I don't know if she's gotten close. No, I don't think so. No, I mean, I, there's, there's some runs where she beat me pretty good (laughs) (laughs) on training runs, but I was like pretty injured and not feeling good. Right. And then I'd, I'd be like, just go cause I'm, I'm just not doing it today. So go out and run and I'll, I'll meet you back home. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's good. Yeah, I'm sure that competition would not be that healthy. And then she, yeah, she had a fantastic year. She like really crushed it this year and like really made a big splash. Yeah. Um. Cool. So if there was a theme for your t- for your 2019 life as like an athlete or even personal life, like what would that theme have been? Um, for 2019, um, I think the theme was like, put my head down and power through. Um, it wasn't, I wasn't expecting to do well considering, um, how, how I started the season. Um, it was very much going through an injury that was like a, like borderline career ending. So, knowing where I was starting from, I was like, I just need to have a season. If I have a season, I show up to all the races, that'll be good. And I was really excited about how everything kind of played out. And at the end of the season, actually being able to dig into training really deep. So that's when it started getting like, everything started getting a lot easier. The runs started getting faster and I started feeling more comfortable. And that's a good way to kind of approach it is like taking the essentially the positive from what your what your situation was is like you could have not come to any races because you knew you weren't going to perform your best. But thinking of it like I just want to have a season, let me power through this and, and see what we can make of it is a real good way. So hopefully next year that won't have to be the uh, the, the theme of it. But uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're able to power through. Yeah, and that's something that um, you mentioned your injury. And I, I do want to dig into that a little bit because you were able to kind of really take – this essentially set back in the beginning of the year and, and have a really successful season at the end. So that is definitely some value that I want, I want to dig into. But right now I want to know what your favorite song was of the year. Favorite song of the year. Um, oh man. Uh, actually it came from a TV show. Um, I, I'm into that one, uh, Netflix TV show, uh, rhythm and flow. So there's a, there's a artist, his name is D smoke. And his song was uh, Last Supper. And I was like, dude, this song is awesome. So, yeah, I've, I've just been jamming on that for a couple of days. So it's been pretty good. So, so is D-Smoke a real rapper or is he an artist or is he an actor playing a rapper in the show? No, he, it's a, he's a real rapper. It's like, a, it's like um, essentially American Idol meets like hip hop. So it's oh, just no all, way. yeah, it's all hip hop artists and it's really cool. I was like, oh man, they, they came out and they made a really good show out of it. It's like T.I., Chance the Rapper, and um, uh, is it Cardi B? So it was, no it was entertaining. Lots of, Atla- <laughs> lots of Atlanta rappers just like were just taking, taking over. They, it, they did pretty good, actually. Atlanta had a lot of, a lot of really good artists, so it was, it was entertaining. And that's on Netflix? Rhythm mm-hmm. and Flow? Yeah. I've never heard of it. That seems to be in my demo. Do I watch all like, the hip-hop shows that are on there? I'm surprised they haven't put it in front of my face to have me watch it yet. <laughs> yeah, will especially because they produced it. It's like, it should be like number one. <laughs> Dude, yeah, sometimes I go on there and I'm like, I'm going to watch this one specific show and then there's a huge banner drop of something super interesting and I'm like, well, I guess I'll just watch this instead. And now yeah. I'm like 10 shows, an episode deep in 10 shows. Um, all right, well, D-Smoke. All right, and what is your lamest New Year's resolution that you've ever had? Lamest New Year's resolution. Um, I usually don't do New Year's resolutions. I have, I did one that actually stuck. Really? And yeah, I did it, and it was, uh, it was flossing my teeth every single day, 
And, <laughs> and when I first did it, I was like, uh, I was in college. Uh, so I was like my freshman or sophomore year of college. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I can't, I can't not do this every day. This is, doesn't seem like I need to do this every day. So then I was just like, okay, that's it. It's going to happen. And then first day of the year, just sink was bloody. It sucked. <laughs> and just kept working through it. And then now I'm like, dude, it's best decision of my life. If you're out there. Do you there, still do it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's the most important thing in the planet. I was like, dude, I floss every single day. And I'm like, this is, it, I can't, I can't go without it now. This is like, like number one. When I was coaching kids, like high school kids, I'd be like, I don't care what you get out of this program, but you better floss your teeth every single day. <laughs> you That's might what get you faster, get for... <laughs> yeah. but your teeth will be great for the rest of your life. Exactly. I you that. I was like, if you're going to take one thing away from this experience, it's to floss your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I recently went to the dentist and he was like – he was – like the first dentist I went to who wasn't like my childhood dentist, I guess. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like they don't explain to, to kids anything. So I, I don't know if it's just certain style. But this dentist I had was just telling me every single detail about why everything really matters. And I was like, all right, fine. Fine, I'll floss. And now I'm definitely flossing. If, if that was something that, that you, you feel is the most valuable thing, we got to make oh, it yeah. happen. Life and, changer. I started one thing once where I – to floss my teeth, like there was an app. I think it's just called like Habit App or something or like Checklist. And it's like to like gamify it or like it, to like literally check it off like that you did that. It makes the habit stick so much better that like it's just satisfying to be like, yes, I did this today. And for something like flossing, that's super – that's a, that's a yeah. real good one. <laughs> yeah. So so not a lame resolution, a very strong one. Everybody should consider that tomorrow um sweet dude well you're through that and so now we all know you on a very personal level but for the listeners who might not know you from an athletic level why don't you fill them in on who you are as an athlete or as a coach and and really where you are in ocr and and kind of what your philosophy is on that uh i was a five-time all-american at cal poly pomona um uh for and then um was that cross and track or what was that cross and track yeah i did um Three, three and cross, and then I was a uh, steeplechase and ten uh, k. Oh, nice! So, You're a steepler. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. What was your steeple time? Nine oh three. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was nine oh eight. Yeah, I did it. I did it four times. In, what? In Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Or oh, five? I think five. Where does uh, that place you in in D two? Uh, it got fifth. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was it was really humid too um, in North Carolina. So oh, I'm sure it was awful. Where yeah, was like it was, or something. Yeah, it was horrible conditions, and I was like, uh, I I had done really bad at the 10k, and I was like, well, this is it. This is like, you know, this is my last like nationals, so I better do something. <laughs> so I ended up like running a really like aggressive race and trying to stay up at the front. And um, at the time, we had. Um, uh, Nicodemus Namadu and dude that guy was like he was running like eight I think he had the fastest time in NCAA was he in a and what uh wait he was a Texas school right yeah yeah he was in Texas Abilene, Abilene um, Christian Abilene Christian dude yeah. he was crazy to watch run that he would jump he would jump, jump over the pit and land on this yeah he would jump over the pit over he would the like pit jump, yeah he would jump <sighs> off the, the his left foot and land on his left foot yeah he wouldn't hurl he would like he would like bounce over it. I was like, yeah. what in the world? 
<laughs> was, yeah, he was tough. Um, so he went out aggressive, and you're just like, all right, screw, it, I'm going. Yeah, I was like, all right, let's just kind of stay on him. And then I think we had a guy from Western University. Um, he was from Australia, and he was like a a big Australian. Like he was he was pretty fast. So during the prelim, that guy, I was in his heat, and he dropped a sixty on his last quarter in the steeple. Oh my god! And I'm like, With hurdles? dude, that's just uh, it, <laughs> oh yeah. It was a battle between those two guys. Like they ran, they ended up running like eight twenty something, like eight twenty eight, like eight twenty three or something. God, I was like, in a final, just, that's crazy. Yeah, that's they're so just they're in another world. Yeah, I was like, oh man, oh, well, first place in the second pack. Take <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, because it was those um, two guys, and then I was leading most of the second pack, and then. I got passed towards the end, and I was like, "Well, I did good," so I was happy. Yeah, and that that does count as aggressive race if there's essentially two guys running their own race. You're out there, yeah, pushing, yeah, pushing, pushing. <laughs> and that's like running from the front, which is harder. Yeah. Um, cool, man. So yeah, so super accomplished when it comes to the the, the collegiate ranks, um, real fast times, uh, all American, five time all American, and then you went out into the roads and, and ran pretty fast too, right? Yeah, I, I did. I did some pretty good road races, a um, couple of marathons. Uh, my best was like a two nineteen. Um, my average is like around a two twenty, like two. Like I think the slowest marathon I ever did was a two thirty two. So, um, kind of in that range. Um, yeah, but like I, I always did. I always picked the wrong marathons. <laughs> like I never did a fast marathon in my whole career. I always picked like the races with like good competition or like good prize money or like something that's going to be like advantageous for my career but not necessarily like fast times like I never ran like fast courses so I was like looking back I was like that was kind of not smart I probably should have hit some faster courses to boost my name but then and again I'm like where I'm sitting right now I'd rather be here than anywhere else in the world <laughs> so not no regrets in my career i'm like i left road running when i needed to leave road running so it was well worth it yeah and like a 219 is an elite time right what was it what were the trials when you ran that did that I, qualify or was it like was it 219 under was it no i ran a 219.07 and it was right after the trials so <laughs> they yeah, ran a trial yeah like i ran oh. i ran at um i ran in in uh, chicago on one of the hottest years you could possibly run chicago uh-huh. it was ridiculous and i was disappointed because like i had done like tempo runs like 18 mile tempo runs nine, uh 20 mile tempo runs and had I continued to run in my tempo run, I would have ran like two fifteens or two sixteens. So I'm like, when I went to Chicago, I was like, oh, this is like a, this is a, like no doubt in my mind. I'm getting the time. I'm getting the time. It's going to be so easy. I'm going to breeze through this thing. And it was so hot. It was like 90% humidity. The condition sucked. I went out there and I dropped out at mile 20. And I was like, and the reason why I dropped out was because I wasn't going to hit the time. And I was already like, I was going through a mental like disappointment and everything. And I was like, I just don't care to finish. I'm already running like a 220. 
I was like on pace for 223 or 224, and I was like, what's the point of finishing? This is right. all a waste of my time. So then after after that, they had the trials the next month, um, I think in New York. And then after that, um, I was like... like 08 then? Yeah, I was like 08. And then after, I was like, okay, I can go... Uh, I can go... Like I, I, I was like, I don't know what to do now. I was like, they have a marathon going on in Vegas. I was like, I'll go over there and see what happens. And I wasn't, I, I didn't do anything crazy in my training to build up for that one. And then that's where I get my PR. And I never ran that fast again. And I was like, it was weird. Um, yeah, I think I could have ran a lot faster, but it was just like how it happened is that's pretty much where I was. Yeah. And that's almost like the mystique of the full marathon, right? The race itself is just so unpredictable. Like a day like Chicago that year, I remember I remember that year because a lot of people dropped out and I live in Philadelphia and that the Philly marathons two like a month and a half later. So mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Marathon like offered free entries for some people who drop who had to drop out because of the weather. But I remember oh. it being bad. Like people were like getting really hurt. Like I think there was a couple people who died. Um yeah. but um but yeah, you had all these pieces in place, but the, on that day, it's like really hard to have everything fall in line because there's a lot of parts that are not quite up to you. And I like yeah. what you mentioned. I just want to double back on like dro- like the dropping out part. I totally agree with you on, on that, that that call. And I feel like a lot of people will push like push for the sake of like their own ego just to finish when they're probably just doing more damage than good. Yeah. And and like in your case, you you, you came back. That must have been a month later too, right? Yeah, like I I raced in December, so it was like yeah, so it was like October, and then I was like, oh screw it, and then uh, that we went through October, uh, got through November, and then December I was racing, so it was early December too, so um, six weeks, yeah, like yeah, maybe six weeks, yeah, Uh, but it was smart to drop out because dropping out led me to not beat up my body. Twenty miles is like something that I I had done in training, and then. When I went to the race, uh, you know, in Vegas, I was like, hey, I'm still fit. Everything's still working. I could, I think I could do good. And then running with the pack that was up at the front, I was like, oh, man, I'm actually doing really well. I'm in, I'm in the top five, top six. I'm still in it. I'm still doing well. And then they had made, like, a, a really big move, um, like, at uh, probably, like, 14 or 15. And it spread out the field. And then I started noticing guys were really slowing down hard. And I was like, oh, man, if I make a move right here, I could get top three. And then that's when I think my last mile was like a like a 452. And I was like, I felt like I was so motivated because I was like, dude, I'm catching a bunch of Kenyan guys. This is fun, man. This is is awesome. But, you know, it was just like like that was the funnest experience and the funnest like I've ever had like funnest time I had with a marathon. Um, I think every other time after that, it had been such a, it, it felt like a job as opposed mm-hmm. to being like something that was really fun. So, yeah. yeah. And, and it could have been, you know, there's a lot of pressure when those races, cause it is built up to that one, but like, yeah, it's almost unheard of for someone to run a full marathon and then five weeks later run better. Like it just like people try to do it, especially when they're trying to qualify for something. Yeah. yeah. Like I think people, I know CIM was just a big one and people are going to try to run Houston. It's like, is it really going to happen that soon? Like, are you going to get more fit? Like, yeah, no. So you're better off preserving where, where you're at. Um, so, and, and yeah, when I was, I was, 
uh, creeping through your athlinks, and I noticed there was like a pretty stark transition when you started to get um, into OCR. So it was like some road running and like some obstacle course racing. Then then now it's just like straight up obstacle course racing. So what was that transition like? Like what made you pursue OCR? Well, like I I um, I kind of looked at my career and running, and I I was looking at where it was going, and what was the benefit of running. Um, I, I'm an athlete. I kind of dedicated my life to athletics and running. So looking at this, I kind of told myself like, okay, where is the sport going? And where is sponsorships? Where's the opportunities? What can I do? How is it looking? And the sport of running is looking bad. It is horrible. It's not good. It's like, it's, um, it, like, it, it like, my uh my my trainer um who does a lot of my uh like strengthening and and recovery um he was talking to me and he's like okay um i'm going to mention the, i'm going to say the word marathon and what what comes to mind and then i was like okay it's difficult it's hard uh training's like you know it's it's um tireless it's like all these words that i was describing when he said the word marathon were all negative and he's like, dude, like, why are you still doing this? And then right then it hit me. I was like, you're right. Like, this is stupid. Like, if I keep doing this and it's something that's negative, I'm going to keep this negativity in my life. And I can't train to be the best athlete I can be if I'm looking at something that's in a totally negative light. So he was like, you got to try something else. And then that's when he's like, try this OCR stuff see how see how it goes and so i signed up for a spartan race tried it out and it was not good it was horrible <laughs> it was it was it was the worst experience of my life uh which race to this was that date. uh it's utah 2014 uh, um not good i mean you, <laughs> oh man it's like Co- <laughs> cody moat showed up holby call showed up uh freaking what's his name john yatsko showed up i mean these guys (laughs) i didn't know and these guys just tore me up they tore me up so bad i was like oh man like just a different sport and i was like like i i was disappointed because i thought i was gonna do relatively well because i did have a lot of upper body strength for a marathoner i had a lot of strength in general um as an athlete and i i figured i'd do well in this race but um not not the case so like had to go back and figure out what I, what I need to do in training. Um, my friend who told me to do it, he did it as well. He ended up placing probably like 40th or 45th. And we kind of left that event licking our wounds and we we're like, Oh man, this is not a good experience. Um, and he was like, oh, I'm going to finish my trifecta and uh, I'm going to do that. And I said, okay. And to yeah, me, I had no, got him. Marketing's yeah. Like, and well, I was I like, I had, free. yeah, I had no, no ties to the trifecta. I don't I, need I, a medal, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't, I don't, I want to win. If that's not happening, like I'm not really that interested. So he comes back and says, oh, he did the Sacramento race and him and his brother, and a couple of other guys at the gym, they, I think the worst of them got 17th and his brother placed like top six or something. And I was like, whoa, like you guys did great. You guys did awesome. And he's like, yeah, the course was flat. <laughs> it wasn't, 
it wasn't the mountain. It was nice right. and flat. It was oh. Sacramento. And he's like, I was like, oh, man, so you guys did really well. And he's like, yeah. And I saw the guys they raced against. They raced against, like, Matt Novakovich, uh, uh, was it um, Hunter McIntyre, like, all these good names. And I was like, damn, these guys are some of the best in the sport. And they weren't too far off of them. And I was like, that's actually intriguing because if I would have been in that race, I think I could have ran probably with those guys. So that's when I got back into training, got back in the gym, and started saying, hey, if um, if I'm going to do something in in athletics, in, in sport, it's not going to be marathoning. Um, I kind of realized that that's not going to be it. So I have to transition into something else and then started working hard in OCR. And then the next race I did was in January. It was a SoCal race, and I placed fifth behind Matt Novakovich and Hunter McIntyre. Same and, dudes, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, nap, there it is. That's what I, That's what, exactly what I thought it was going to happen. If I run hard and do everything right and train properly, I could do this. So that's that was it. I was hooked like, ever since then. So that's an interesting like kind of goals exercise. Is that something that you do, like that you went through with your trainer where it was like, what would you say, like word – relationship word like right, right, right. practice right yeah, like, yeah is that something you continually do or is that something that you kind of do with your athletes or that you would encourage people to do it's like because you get that a lot especially right, now yeah. in ocr because things are starting to splinter like even now like obviously stadium series there's doing this deca fit high rocks is like a whole thing and now people there's just potential ultra series that people keep talking about and that seems to be a question that i'm fielding a lot is like well, should I do all of them or should I well, – how do I figure this out? Like do you continually try to do that in like your goals process? Yeah, I do. Um, I, look at, I look at things and I, I, I basically say the same things. Like, like how, how do I perceive these new um, style of races? Um, the one race where I almost got into was like the longer distance stuff, like the eight-hour races, the, um, the 24-hour races. I almost got into that stuff. Um, but like my training, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not very conducive for me. Um, like I notice that when I start training that hard for those type of events, it's like training for the marathon and it's like, now you're getting to 120 miles a week. It's like your testosterone starts to drop. You can't lift as much. And it's like, it's not good for me, you know, personally. Mm -hmm. So for other guys, it's great, but for me, it's not really that good. So understanding that i'm like hey you know what what kind of athlete am i um someone who's really fast um someone who could still pull weight um you know what the sprints the supers and the the beast that's money for me that's perfect i love those i love those distances i love the the challenge um something like the deca fit uh that does not uh, sound appealing to me <laughs> uh i'm not really like a a high end like um uh high lactate type mm. of athlete I, I never did well in the 800 that was probably my weakest event so i'm not I looking st- forward to it <laughs> i still think those events are going to take 40 minutes the high rocks takes 60 like that might be in your time wheelhouse uh, just a matter of right. like if you want to do the like wall balls and <laughs> stuff yeah like yeah I, I i just think like if you're doing those exercises and you're doing them dynamically and you're doing them like essentially they're trying to take exercises that are supposed to be dynamic and they're turning them into aerobic exercises. Mm-hmm. That's what and, CrossFit has done. That's what. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I really don't, I don't understand 
any of it. Like, I'm like, I don't understand how this is even a thing. <laughs> yeah. It is. So I'm like, hey, you know what? It's, it's, um, it's something that a lot of people like, though, because they're more um, anaerobic driven. So mm-hmm. it's like if you're an 800-meter runner at heart and you really don't know that, um, guess what? If you like Decafit, you like High Rocks, you probably would be really good at the 800, but you never did it. Like, you never stepped on the track, and you never did track as a kid. You never knew this. <laughs> but guess what? You're a 400, 800-meter runner, and you'd be great at those, too. But, um, yeah, so um, to me, I'm like, I, I don't think it suits me as an athlete. Like, it's, it's just not my not my cup of tea. So, yeah. I'm like, yeah. And that's that I, I realize that. I, like, there's a lot of stuff that comes in, and I'm like, oh, should I do this, like, one mile like obstacle race and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? It's not, it's not what I want to do. It's not what I like to do. It's not the things I'm working on right now. So like, what, like what would I have to do to prepare for that? And then, then I'm talking about my training and how I have to train. And I'm like, I don't want to train like that yet or at the moment. So it doesn't really fit into my plans as an athlete and what I want to do in this sport. So that's, that's cool. And that, that's a very self-aware approach to it for someone who has been training in one level or another for 25 years right so you have that understanding of what it might take to do a a high rocks event and that just doesn't really get you excited to spend every day in that realm so yeah i would say that would be a good practice for people like think about not just the race itself but like the training the training yeah every single day what's going to get you there and if you're not differentiating your training from these events you should probably start differentiating your training for the events you're preparing for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so for you, what was the hardest transition, like going from road into OCR? Uh, it's definitely the um, the carries and the lifts and all that stuff. So, um, uh, going from road racing, I weighed 134 pounds. Um, How tall are you? And you're not like you're not like I'm, five I'm two. Five, I'm five nine. Yeah. yeah. So 134 pounds, five nine. Uh, not conducive for OCR. That's a runner, uh, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's a you cannot. Guy. You can't. You can't do really well with the bucket. You can't do really well with the sandbag. Uh, for the tire flip at that time would have been impossible for me. Um, the Hercoise was almost impossible for me at that time. So, it, you know, I had to bulk up a lot. So now I'm like at 150, 155. Wow. And it's like, yeah, my my speed work is not as good, but man, I can, I can run lift. I can do whatever I need to do. So it's just a trade off. It's like, you kind of have to trade those things off and you kind of fig- have to figure out like what, like basically what can you do in OCR, um, at 134. Uh, and you know, it's not much. Mm-hmm. You can <laughs> hope, 100- hope it's flat. Yeah. 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 And if it's a hundred, if you're 150 pounds, you could do a lot. You can you can lift everything. You can be strong, and you know the double sandbags aren't going to kill you. It's like you can manage them because it's like you got two sixty pound bags. It's like you got one hundred and twenty pounds on you. You can manage, but if you're one hundred thirty four with one hundred twenty on your back, you will die. (laughs) It doesn't matter how fit you are. It doesn't matter how fit you are. That thing will crush you down, and it'll feel like the bags are choking your your lungs. So, not advised. So. Yeah. yeah. So what was that process like? Did you, were you like, okay, I'm going to have to eat 3,500 calories a day or were you just more on the mindset of eat a lot, lift a lot, or did just like the weightlifting kind of take care of it? Like how did you put on this weight? 
Uh, I had to back off in miles. Uh, okay. Couldn't, couldn't, can't, can't run 120 miles a week. Um, <laughs> had to, had to back off. I think I'm at like, I'll average about 70 miles a week throughout mm. the whole year. Um, so about 70 miles a week, and then getting really big on lifting. So lifting three times a week, and that's about it. Yeah. No, not. We didn't really change the diet too much. Um, we're, we're still like heavy in carbohydrates and protein. So yeah, I mean, if you but if you're backing off the volume, like your output is going to decrease. Yeah. So yeah. your the caloric expenditure is also going to decrease. So like you yeah. don't have to really change. So yeah, you can either take in less or do more if you want to lose weight, and the opposite is true. Um, okay, cool. And yeah, so that's something that I did notice when kind of looking at the transition is that, you know, one year you were a 15 flat, we were a sub 15 flat in 5k according to Athlinks. Um, and the next year you were like a 16 flat guy. And was that part of that? Was it like, but then your OCR results went from, you know, like you would get like top 10, 15 ish. And then you were like top 10 at NBC races which, you know, those are the, are the best races yeah. that we had at the time, which are now the National Series races. So um, so do you feel like there is, like, a sweet spot for you in performance? Like, do you think you have found that? Or, like, how how would someone know where that sweet spot is for, from, like, their speed versus their strength? Yeah, that's, that's difficult because um, you really have to look at uh, individual, like, like I, I love the Strava like when Strava comes out with their 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 stats, and like when we do a race, it's like you can compare your times on certain elements. Where it's like, oh, I have my Strava time for my bucket carry versus the field, and it's like it's it's really telling. Where it's like, oh man, like Ryan Atkins killed me on that thing, like by two minutes. It's like, is there room for improvement? Yeah, I can I can get better at this, you know? So it's like, if you look at that and you look at the Strava data, it's kind of, it gives you a lot of information as to what your weakness is uh, versus the field and uh, over time. Like, I like to use Monterey as my kind of, like, you'll see me every year at Monterey. And the so reason why if you wanna, is if you because... you want to see Patrick, come to yeah, Monterey. Come to Monterey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Monterey to me is a really good proving ground because they have the same sandbag carry, uh, relatively same bucket carry. The the hills are the same. It's like it's such a good area to to kind of key off of from the years past. And I can look at the data from this year to the years past and say like, am I improving? Am I getting better? Am I am I not as strong as I was? Did that you know? I, I think I did the um, – I have the record for the, the sandbag carry, and it's at a minute 21. I'm like, yeah, am, did that feel easier or harder than last year? Like I, I can do comparisons like that. And with OCR, you kind of have to do that because you want to see consistent improvement in all your metrics, not just like, oh, yeah, my running got good. It's like, no, you got to be mindful like – you know, were there more rigs on this course versus this course? Like, am I getting better at transitioning through obstacles? Um, am I am I getting better at tire flip? Like all these all these little things. And if you're improving on these things, then everything's going good. But if you're you could tell something's not working right, then you gotta go back and work on those little weaknesses. And those uh, are the variables that are frustrating to athletes because they're there's not really standardization and they'll, right. they will change the course. Like they'll change some obstacles. They'll 
double sandbags we don't really see as much um so it's hard to go year over year even like the same course um do you have anything in training that you do for for yourself or for any athletes that you coach that help kind of like give them a benchmark for where they are are there any repeatable workouts that you found do will translate well um yeah i do like um we have a bucket carry workout and we also have like a time trial like time trials are good because they tell you straight out like are you getting faster or not what's your output yeah yeah, it's like it's really easy to see like okay we do a two mile time trial we kind of see where we're at i I like to collect all the splits and i want to see how the athlete was trying to from start to finish how they did how they did the run um and and what their capability is if they ran properly or if they ran you know you know kind of erratically mm-hmm. so based on kind the of, pace and everything you mean yeah yeah so it's like you, you try to give more feedback on that stuff that's easy uh the harder stuff is like what we do is uh we'll do like a 800 meter bucket carry workout so you do 800 meters and then you do a minute of bucket carry you drop it, do 800 meters, and then a minute of bucket carry, and then you get a three-minute rest. And basically the the idea is to try to run that 800 as fast as possible. And that becomes the benchmark of where you're going in terms of like handling that lactate with the bucket, handling the you know lactate with the run. So it's like, are you able to change systems? Are you able to go lift, do something crazy with lifting, and then drop it and then keep running? So that's one of our big workouts. And then we compare the times there and kind of see like how, how much improvements occurring. And then, yeah. I like that one because you're, you're forced to come to a dead stop essentially. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, that's like the, also like you get to the physical part of handling the lactate and, and maybe even how you transition through, but there's that mental part of dead stop, pick this up. And like, how much time can you like make up just on putting it down and running right away you know and and even so i I really like that that's that's a great one to kind of help uh people kind of figure that out and is that kind of like where you would like i know that they're as as far as like philosophies and training and everything it's all going to be case by case right so but like if someone was to start with you and came to you like hey i want a podium in the age group like where do you typically start for people like how do you kind of evaluate where they are or how would you suggest someone like learns where to start even at the beginning of the season or if it's their first time coming in usually what i do is i kind of take their um average mileage that they're doing currently and then i try to figure out where they're at and they're running um i i honestly like for most people that are in ocr they they kind of don't analyze the races properly. They're like, oh, man, I didn't do that well, you know, so I'm going to go lift more. And it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, in terms of what the race is, 80% of it's running. And it's mostly running through really bad terrain. And it's hard to train for that because, number one, it's like, you know, it's hard to train in bad terrain in general because it's like, who's going to go looking for bad terrain? Um, and on the West coast, we have like a lot of issues because it's all, it's all nice running. It's like beautiful trails and it's like all manicured. It's like if to find something that's like really beat up, it's like really difficult. You go on the East coast, on the other hand, it's like, they got nothing but garbage trails. (laughs) That's all we got. You can find, yeah, you can find that stuff all day. So it's like, it, it's kind of like, you know, finding what 
the weakness is on the athlete and understanding what that weakness is and then working on the running uh, because it's 80% of the race and and then everything else is the 20% of the training. So now we're working on uh, making sure that we can do the tire flip, making sure mm-hmm. we can do the hercoise, uh, making sure that we have that grip strength to do all the rigs and making sure we can do all the obstacles because burpees will slow you down. So just making, just analyzing the athlete and finding out what's difficult for them. So just telling them, hey, what, what, what do you find difficult about this race? And then saying like, oh, you know, like the Olympus is like impossible. I don't know who could do it. And it's like, okay, that's easy to work on. Here's a video. Watch this video. This is how you do it. It's not that hard. And then they see it and they're like, oh, wait. That... It's like mental reps and, and yeah. just and I'm like, talking just... strategy. Yeah. So like as long as they know it, that they're confident on a, on a rig or on, on an obstacle, then you got it. Like it, that's, that's where you need to spend your time in your training, um, uh, to get the, to gain that confidence. And that's why we train in the first place is to gain confidence. So when you race, it's like you're fitter and you're ready to roll to make yeah. it easier. The race shouldn't be the hardest part. It should yeah. where the physical like pushing, but you shouldn't come up with the stuff that you're just not prepared for in any way. Right. Um, but I definitely agree with you when it comes to running moves, the needle the most, it like just flat out does. It is still, a race, a foot race, so it's getting faster is the is the best way to improve. Do you, when you're explaining this to to someone, like where do you find? Because then the people want that goal, right? It's like, okay, well, how fast do I need to be? Because they still do like the benchmarks, even if you're doing like a five k or whatever it is. Do you? What's your take on that? Do you feel like some like there is a point where someone needs to get, or just feel like the better they can be at running, the better off they're going to be? Or do you kind of set like plot out goals for people to meet along the way. Um, I think the better you, the, the faster, the fastest you can be is the best. Um, I don't try to set specific goals because with OCR, it's a little, it's a little more complex. Like, like I said, it's like you go into it and it's like, Oh, well, if you look at it, you're like, well, if you want to be good at, you know, age group, you should be running like a 1630 to 17 flat 5k. That's really, really the sweet spot of, podiuming at at the age group and then you know you have a person that's like running 18 to 19 and all of a sudden they're podiuming because they're so obstacle proficient Mm -hmm. like they don't fail anything they do really good on the carries and it's like well you achieved your goal and we didn't even get close to those times so it's like (laughs) it's kind of like a you know it's more complex than just like a, okay hit these times you're gonna get the podium it's like not guaranteed like that or vice versa where you can have someone who's hitting like 16 flats still not hitting the podium because they have all these burpees in the race and they're not doing really well in the really well in the carries or you know whatever so it's like you really have to have that well-rounded program that encompasses everything to tailor that athlete to get to the podium yeah and then also yeah. work on the mental mental aspects and all this. Uh, there's a lot of more nuance to – you could be fit, but if you're a mental basket case, you're still not going to podium because, like, you need to be yeah, fit and perform. <laughs> yeah, you got to be fit yeah. and perform. Maybe. There's two different things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, – And, dude, I 100% agree with you on that. Like, And it's interesting. I feel like people fight this because – it's almost like well if i could just run 1630 like i would be great but like someone like you or like 
myself with a running background, like we know what it's like to come into this fast already and do shitty <laughs> yeah, and get yeah. killed. And yeah. like, well, if that, if it was that simple, like we would, we would be, we would be better. We would be at the top. There would be runners from outside of this who come in and just dominate right away. And that just doesn't really happen. So, right. um, I, I agree with you as fast as an individual can get is better, but if they're, if their limits, whatever they are, take them to 19 minutes and that's as fast as they're going to be, it's like, okay, then how else are we going to work around this to make sure that you are the best racer you can be? Um, and the mental side of, uh, of performance is, is really interesting. Do you, do you feel like people in OCR specifically get hung up on certain elements or where do you feel like people struggle the most when it comes to like that performance from a mental like standpoint? Uh, any failure. Like, uh, you'll see a lot of people, even I, I, I've been guilty of that where it's like you have a, uh, a mistake, uh, miss spear and you think your race is over. It's done. You're like, Oh my God, like I got to do 30 burpees. It's over. It's like, it's not over until you cross that line. So it, unless, if you have that mentality and it takes a while to get that mentality because when I first started doing OCR and Spartan races, I was like, okay, I, I gotta be perfect. I gotta be perfect. And then I'm doing great. And then I miss a spear. And then I'm like, oh, no. And I I just totally checked out mentally. Like, I was like, I had a good race going, and now it's all over. If like, only you play that if, if game. If only, if I, yeah. If I would have got the rig, I would have done great. <laughs> yeah, like, had no. I got that spear, I would have won. It's like, well, you didn't, so you lost. <laughs> I would have won. It's like, that's not the sport. It's like That's not the sport, yeah. So it's like that kind of stuff will mess you up mentally. It's like it's just – it's just it's stuff that happens. It's like I miss a spear. That happened. I'm just gonna hit my burp. I'm gonna do my burpees. This is the part. This is now my race, and I'm gonna do the best I can in my race. Mm-hmm. So if you have that mentality, you're gonna do really good burpees. But if you have a mentality where it's like, oh man, I'm I'm out. And then guess what? Those burpees are gonna be garbage. You're gonna be, um, you know, you're not gonna keep count. You're not gonna be focused and you're not going to be doing them fast. You're going to take two minutes to three minutes to do them, and it will take you out of your race. But if you're telling yourself, this is part of my race, Mm. now I'm doing burpees and it's part of my race, you take a minute to do them, and you're off and going again. So it's like just having that different mentality switches your gears into having a good race or turning a bad race into a good race or not letting it affect you. So, I mean... I, I've seen it a lot where people were, are having really good races and then all of a sudden it just unravels because of something like that. Yeah. And the, what you said about it, you're running your race no matter what. And so yeah. like your ultimate goal, the way I see it, is that you're, you should be happy with your effort. And if, that, if you put out your best effort, your goals will come. And like that should still be part of the, whatever part of the race that you're in. So it's a great point to have that. Like this is your race now. Like it doesn't yeah. matter that you went off course or that you slipped and fell or, or whatever it was. Um, that, that's a, that's a really cool aspect and, and good way to approach that. And plus it's a better story. Be like, Oh, then mile two, I was feeling shitty, but then I decided to keep going. It'd be, yeah. great, it'd, it'd be great for Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so another part of the mentality of it, and we touched on a real, in the very beginning of the podcast that you had a, a pretty bad injury. I don't know too much about the details of what, what you had or what you want to share or, or whatever, but, um, yeah, the, the season seemed like it was kind of a slog for you in the beginning there, and you really kind of had to battle back. So, the and we were talking before we popped on, um, just that like 
that feeling of being injured and, and needing to like come to grips with where you are in your physical world um, <laughs> is hard. It's really hard. And it happens to, if, if, if you're listening and you run, you've probably been hurt. If you haven't, you're probably going to be hurt. So like, it's something that just kind of comes with the territory um, for better or worse. So like, tell me a little bit about what that was like for you, like in, in being able to mentally kind of keep it together. Yeah, so in 2018, um, I I finished the season in 2018, and let me see, I gotta get my years right. I think it's 2017. It's 2017. Yeah, 2017. So end of 2017, I had knee surgery. Um, had that knee surgery on my right leg, and I had a torn meniscus. So kind of finishing off that season with a torn meniscus. Did I you think fall I did, or was it from a race? World what Champs. Happened? And I did, yeah, I did a lot of those races with a torn meniscus. Huh. And then so I scheduled my surgery right after, um, I think it, at the very end of the season. So it was probably after Tahoe or something like that. So anyways, I got my surgery done um, the week after my last race. And I couldn't run until Christmas. I remember my first run was Christmas and then I started up and I started racing and I actually did pretty good. And I was like, Oh man, I didn't, it didn't, I didn't take very much time off from my surgery to already starting to race. So first run was in December. My first race was in January. And then I think I was already, I think I, I won the SoCal like sprint and I was like, Whoa, that was pretty quick. <laughs> so I was like, it, it it only took like probably four four or five weeks for me to come back after surgery. So from and I was like, that was really good and awesome and that was great. So I did all of 2018 and I was doing really well that season. Um, I think at uh, Tahoe I finished like seventh um, in that season and I was doing you know awesome. And towards the end my knee started hurting again and I didn't know what was going on, but I, I was like, I just had surgery. This shouldn't feel like this because my left knee had surgery before and it's never had pain ever since. So I'm like, this isn't feeling good. <laughs> Something must be wrong. Um, I went and I got an MRI after the season and they basically told me that, um, like it's, it's not a torn meniscus, but it's, it's something it's basically something to do with the meniscus um, that it's like it's so sensitive in that area because when they take off the the, the meniscus material that um, there's still some sen- there's there's starting to be some sensitivity and now it's um, like it's just affecting my running now um, essentially I can't go I couldn't have gotten surgery on the knee anymore it was like um, nerves or what did that Yes, like it's basically like uh, what they were explaining. It's like it's uh, like as easy as they can explain it. It's like basically like bone on bone on on that situation. And they're like, you have some ligaments that are pulling in a certain way that, f- for some reason, creates like um, a sensitivity that makes it feel like you have bone on bone. And then for some reason, like my knee will all of a sudden like give out. Like it'll just like not work and. Um, actually, uh, uh, at Seattle uh, this year, um, Aaron Newell was running behind me 
And I was talking to Natalie after the race and I was like, Oh, I was doing pretty good. And then my knee started to hurt. Um, uh, like right at mile eight and I had a half mile to go. And I was like, I don't know why, but my knee started hurting there. And Aaron was like, yeah, what was that? Like, that was crazy. Your leg just started looking like a piece of flesh going down. <laughs> I was oh, like, could oh, man. See it? Yeah. He could see that like my knee wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like reacting. Like basically it's like, I'm just landing with like a dead oh. leg. And he's like, it looked weird. Dude. He's like, you just, there's <laughs> movement and everything. He's like, it looked funky. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm hoping it stops hurting like that. <laughs> um, so basically the only, the only way to take care of the, the, um, uh, to actually get rid of the pain permanently would be to do like a PRP injection or something like that. Um, where it's like stem cell injection or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done that, but um, basically I was like, hey, this is essentially career-ending uh, injury, and uh, I had to figure out why I was getting it in the first place and then kind of figured out why I was getting that pain and going through the the re- rehabilitation through it, um, working with an acupuncturist and all this stuff and kind of figuring out why that pain existed in the first place um it's tough when you're injured you want to be out there you want to be running and you know to have basically like a career ending kind of injury looming on you um you know i've been running for a long time 25 plus years so um i've been injured multiple times and you know, I always tell myself like this too shall pass. Like it's, it's something that it's a part of running. It's a part of getting fit. Um, sometimes you're running really great and everything's running perfect. At those times I tell people you got to strike when the iron's hot. If you're running good, you're running great. Start racing, get out there, get the, get your performance marks, see how fast you can go because you don't know how long this is going to last. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you go through the off season, you come back. And I noticed a lot of people get injured during the off season when they come back because they either ramp up too quickly or they, they do something crazy too fast or intensity is too fast too soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like, Hey, your ramp up really needs to be controlled. That's why I might like in 2019, my ramp up was like all the way through almost April. So I went from January, barely being able to run February, I think February actually I was barely able to run. Um, and then March I was starting to get my legs under me and then April I was like, Hey, I'm actually getting in good shape. So this is good. So then, then it kind of took off towards uh, the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like what you're, what you're saying about ramping up and that's the same after injury too, because you want to be back where you were. Right. And you're like, yeah. Okay, I, I got injured maybe even like a month ago, and before that I was doing eight four hundred. So I should probably just do that for this next week of training. But like that again is just kind of kind of set you up to either re-injure it or injure something else that just hasn't gone through that compensation comp- that will be compensated for. Right. Um, yeah, yeah that's, and- I I think a lot of people make that mistake when they they do their training. Um, it definitely is two steps forward, one step back. And you have to have that mentality where it's like you will get faster if you take that step back and then continue on. But if you think like you're going to hammer runs all the time, it doesn't work like that. 
Like when you go through base, like right now I'm in base phase, and you know my average pace on my runs like seven flat, and so I'm doing seven flat miles. When I'm in full out like running hard mode, like and everything's clicking, everything's going good. I'm running like six flat on my easy runs. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have to understand. You have to understand like oh man, like you can't always be at that level. You have to take a step back and let your body recoup and then restart up again and then start hammering again because you're only going to be able to hammer for so long you can't keep a peak for like three months it's like the way we do spartan racing is tough because you kind of have to go up and down up and down up and down you can't really just it's not like conventional training so it's kind of funny like how people might look at this like oh yeah it's like cross country or track and i'm like no they're totally different because if you do cross country and track, um, if you look at all the literature that's in cross country and track, you're only peaking for like four weeks, three weeks, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's like you're running fast for three or four weeks. You're not. Their training methods aren't designed for you to peak and repeak and repeak all throughout the year. The season's so, short in turn, like three. You race for three months, maybe. You want to race well yeah. for in one of them. And and the. And, the, and and track, you're building up. So it's like your first race is they're going to suck. They're going to be terrible. And they're supposed <laughs> to suck. They're yeah. supposed to be terrible. And then then as you're racing, you're getting fitter, fitter, fitter. But when you peak, it's only like it's only a month. That's all it is. It's a, it's a month of peaking. So I think like um, a lot of people that are coming from like the road and, and track and, and um, kind of like a – you know standard ncaa and all that stuff that background um they never really have to do this they never really have to peak and peak and peak and peak and peak and peak over and over and over so it's a different um a different type of training it's a different type of uh a different type of cycle it's not it's not the same cycles that you would see like in your average running book in your 12 week your yeah, free 12 yeah, yeah, yeah. week plan that you found yeah. online or something like, oh, I got this yeah, running that, plan. Will this help? That is not going to work. It's, <laughs> it's not like, going to work. Yeah. Yeah. If you're season. an OCR and you, you want to get a good coach, you got to get an OCR coach because a running coach is only going to train you for one race or usually one race. I mean, it's really hard to be dynamic um, in in um, in the OCR world um, uh, coming from a but uh, like a, a running background, like I'm a straight running coach. That's all I've been doing. And then now I have an OCR person coming to me. You really don't, you don't understand the world. You don't you understand can't. what you, yeah, you don't understand what we're doing here. Um, and you're going to make, there's going to be a lot of growing pains with that. And I had to go through them too. And it's, it's, it's like, Hey, you got to take the time to get calloused and kind of understand what these athletes need and how the training is actually structured, um, and it's very, very dynamic. It's not, it's not as, like, it's not as set up as a normal training season for a track athlete. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. The, the variables are wild, and you're right. As a runner, you need to come in here and do the training, and you need to be humbled, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You can't, straight up, because straight a, up humble. <laughs> a running coach that just comes in, it's like, oh, I understand the, the endurance principles. Like these will apply, and to a certain extent, they do. But like in the terms of what is needed on that course and what that person needs to get better on that course on that day, it's not just what a running coach provides. And that's right. Running and ugh, 
runner running coaches they're even like collegiate running coaches they're coaches who are taught who, who are taught by other running coaches who are taught by other running coaches right it's like right. there will never be like a strength and conditioning coach who knows more than that who comes in and is in a cross-country coach at a collegiate level or something yeah so yeah they definitely need a, a, a bit of a humbling there for sure yeah um and so what are some things that you feel like people are doing that like we, we, we mentioned you know run more, get faster, right? Like that's, that's mm-hmm. going to be the piece that is going to move the needle first. Um, so what are some things that people just might be wasting their time with that you see or that you kind of need to push people away from? Uh, well, like I said, I, I think a lot of people focus a lot or too much on strengthening, um, trying to lift every single day, uh, doing doing like basically like endurance lifting and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I don't see the benefit in doing that. Um, uh, from, from a OCR perspective, I'm like, we really don't do that in the race. Like we wouldn't need that system. In other words, like if you do, if we're doing a lot of, uh, carries, that's something to work on because that's going to be kind of the endurance lift. But, um, you know, like doing multiple sets of whatever and all this stuff, I'm like, ah, it's really hard for me to see the benefit in that, like in, in that structure. Um, I mean, it's not going to get you faster. It's not going to get, it does make you stronger, but not really. Cause it's not really <laughs> sports specific. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, you can really, if you really want to get stronger, then you work on strength components. And that means you're going to do a big lift and then you get a big amount of rest and then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And that will actually get more gains than if you go out and say like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to do continuous sets of this one exercise and then drop it down and do continuous sets of this other exercise. It's like, well, you didn't get that much stronger because you didn't lift as much as you could have. And then I, I don't, I don't know. Some of that stuff is like, I, I see it and I'm like, um, you know, I, I, I don't talk like any type of exercise is great. Like you're going out and you're like, Hey, I'm a beginner. Any type of exercise is great, and it, it moves the needle, like you said. Like, hey, man, like you're you're on the couch, and now you're off the couch, and now you're doing some exercise. That's great. Like, you want to go and do uh, CrossFit workouts and stuff like that. That's awesome. That's that's fitness. Fitness is awesome. I love fitness, but um, yeah, to me, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really like doesn't translate well when it comes to performance right (laughs) so it's like that doesn't it's like performance wise it's like i don't see it um like i always said like if you want to win the crossfit games you better not be doing crossfit workouts like it doesn't make sense like like crossfit athletes that are high level crossfit athletes should be doing stuff that it's like that's like highly focused on strengthening and then other stuff that's focused on movement on it, but they're yeah, separate workouts. They're not the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, the way I see it, I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know if that's, like, to me, it's like, uh, it's just a, like, hotbed for injuries. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I just like, there's something like that where I'm like, you spend yeah. all this time in the gym and you're doing all this stuff, but I'm like, it's not gonna move the needle. You're not getting faster. You're not getting like. It doesn't matter how much you lift. It is, it's not going to make you a faster runner, period, in a story. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, you know, <laughs> a lot of people see, 
see the Instagram and they think that these are all these people training. I'm like, no, no, they don't. You don't know that Hunter McIntyre runs like a hundred miles a week. And it's like, that's what makes him a freaking, a, a person that's hard to beat in these races. Like he is a fast runner, like period end of story. You try to run with him, and it, he, you realize really fast that this guy is, you know, he's a high level runner, but he doesn't, post that stuff on instagram because it's not it's harder to uh, take pictures <laughs> yeah it's not it's not uh it's not what people want to see from him they want to see him be you know <laughs> like lifting big stuff and you know like how much can he do and all that stuff it's like it's his followers love that stuff but you know what what he's really doing when he's when he's training for spartan races the guy puts in the work and he puts in the right amount of work and he's doing it properly and he understands running um you know just as much as the next next athlete he's he's very knowledgeable yeah and yeah so, and i, I agree me, i think you want to move the needle doing this get faster yeah <laughs> get for sure and that is like one thing it's like people like when it comes to the high intensity classes crossfit or whatever boutique class or whatever orange theory like that's how people have become fit where they went from not fit at all and now they are sort of fit and now they're going into spartan races so the only thing they know that gets them fit is crossfit or orange theory or whatever it is right so it is like they they might know that, that it worked once for them before but now it needs to be sports specific and they never had to get to that point and they just and they like it you know it's just more yeah. fu- and it's more fun than running it's more fun than running for fun. an hour for most people you yeah know? and 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 there's some benefit to it like you said because like if you're getting off the couch and then you're like, oh man, now I'm getting fit. I'm getting good. I'm I'm actually doing really well. It's kind of funny. Like I always see beginner people, like like beginner athletes, people that are getting off the couch. They go and get personal training, and I'm like, why are you getting personal training? You don't need it. You you haven't done anything. Just go to a class, do a boot camp, and you'll get a lot of benefit from doing that. So go and do mm-hmm. a boot camp first. Do do a group exercise. That's going to be more fun for you, and odds are you're going to stick to that workout a lot more consistently. But when you do get to the level where you are fit, and now you're actually starting to do this for performance, guess what? You need personal coaches now. You need people that are watching you know, how you actually exercise, and you're going into a higher level of fitness. It's time to take that step. It's, it's to, you need to go from, okay... Um, I'm kind of doing this group stuff. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. But now I'm actually becoming an athlete, and I want to do a certain thing. Well, now I need to talk to experts. Now it's specialized. In, now it's specialized. Now you're doing something different. And guess what? Now the workouts are going to be totally different from what you used to do. But you're already a fit athlete, and now it's time to take it to that next level. Yeah, that's an interesting spin on like the personal coaching. I mean, because the personal coaching that we would do with runners or or obstacle course racers, that is something that the person would be focused on performance. But a lot of times I didn't even thought about someone going to like a personal trainer because when I was uh, training in person, it was all people that were just like from the couch coming in because they needed somebody yeah. to like help no, them and, through. But and, that's a good way to spin it is like when you really want to dial it in, seek out a professional. Now you go to a personal – yeah, that's a, it always blows my mind. I'm like the 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 people that are doing the personal training – are the people that are like beginners and then the athletes, the people that are actually starting to dial in their athleticism and they're like, Oh man, I'm getting really good. They don't go to the personal trainers because they're like, Oh, 
They think uh, they got I know it. what they know. I got yeah. it. I got it. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no, you don't got it. You don't have a, you, you need it. It's not necessarily that you don't got it, but this person might be able to take you to another level that you don't even know about because you haven't been there. You've never been there. If you've never been there, how do you know how to get there? So it's like, it, it's kind of like, it's an odd dynamic um, where the fitness world is where we think like, oh yeah, personal trainers are for beginners. And it's like, no, they're actually for high level athletes. Um, but we've been using them incorrectly all these years. So, you know, if you actually used a personal trainer to take you to the next level, they actually could take you to the next level if you have the right personal trainer. Yeah. And that's another, uh, another like lesson in humility, right? People just don't oh, have yeah. the, re- the, they just don't, they can't justify it to themselves to like really make that investment to, to make that move. But it is, you're right. Like the way you put it where you can't, you can't like take a path that you don't know is there that, that, that you can't see where a trainer who's been yeah. through or who knows things that you haven't even thought of that like this different component, like that's where you, the real gains are made. Yeah. Um, see, like when I work with my personal trainer, it's like we work on muscle imbalances. We work on different, like, like small little tiny, like, like little movements where you're like, that doesn't even like, I didn't even think to do that. Mm-hmm. But the reason why we're doing that is because I have some small little muscle imbalance that if I did work on this, now I'm going to gain like way more strength on my lifts because that muscle imbalance is now perfect. And then now I can actually go to the next level. And I, I don't know lifting enough to, to actually like know exactly the nuances of like what exactly is not firing or what is firing on my lifts. But I go to what trainer and he knows exactly what is breaking down in my body and my form and everything else. And I'm like, you need that. You need someone to look at your stuff. You need someone to give you feedback. And then there's some things that I will bring up like, oh, what if we do this instead? He's like, that's a great idea. We can incorporate that as well. So it's a, it's more of like a, like the way I talk to my trainer is like we bounce ideas off each other and then we geek out like crazy because it's just like we're just like, oh, what if we do this and what if we add this? Oh, what if we did this lift and we turn this way? Oh, man, that would be totally sick. And then we do these movements and we're like, oh, man, this is like this is awesome. Like this is really good stuff. And then I pass that on to the people that I train because sure. it's like that's good information. I'm like this is like high-grade information and you know, this is stuff that you need because like you learn more, you get gain more knowledge and then you pass it on to everyone else. And totally. That's how you got to do it. Yeah. And coaches have coaches like, they yeah. do. and they've, they, they've, they yeah. understand the value in coaching <laughs> because that's what they do. And that they've, they've witnessed it themselves when people are on the outside, like, ah, is that really going to be, well, I can get a training plan online. It's like you, you can, but, um, <laughs> well, cool, man. So, um, what is next for you this year? What do you got going on? Uh, well, mostly I'm sticking to the series. Um, just trying to improve my, my mark from last year. Um, wasn't exactly too excited about last year, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've been, I've been working really hard. Uh, everything's going really well with my running. Um, the strengthening's coming along. So, uh, just trying to look at the, the, the series again this year and, and just try to, you know, try to have a breakout season uh i don't think there's there's been a year where i've been in spartan racing where i haven't been injured or i haven't been at my best so 
it's like for me, I'm like, there's so much unfilled, untapped potential. I'm like, I, to, I, I, I don't see it as something that's like very like, oh man, this is like really difficult. I don't know if I can run that fast or if I can lift that much or whatever. I'm looking at it like, dang man, I've, I've always been there. It's just I never, like you know, got it done at the right time frames. You know, so it's like I've always been fit at the wrong races or I, I didn't have the right things set up. But um, this year, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully a lot better. So being a little bit more consistent with my races and, and being fit and ready to go at every single race. Yeah, that's the goal this year. Yeah, because this, this, this year for you, from the outside looking, it kind of like the beginning of the National Series was rough. And then like through the Championship Series, it got better. And then like the, like after Tahoe is like when you – like laid down some crazy efforts right like that you like yeah yeah some, some fields yeah i was like uh like after tahoe i was pissed um tahoe did not make me happy what, uh, what happened at tahoe <laughs> uh like i had to do burpees at the spear throw oh. and then when i was doing burpees it was like they put us in this pit of like water and then so it was really cold up there i I was already experiencing kind of a little bit of hypothermia already and I was trying to ignore it. And I was like, no, just keep going. Everything's fine. Just keep pushing through it. And I was probably like in like still in 15th, like still doing pretty well at the time. Um, I had gotten to the spear throw uh, in really good position in the top 10 looking good. And then all of a sudden now I'm like in 15th or something still actually pretty good because I was like, Hey, this is not that bad. I thought the spear throw would have, really affected me pretty negatively. Uh, I got to the ape hanger. I slipped on the, the, the stuff, um, the, like the, the rope the tarp. Yeah. Oh. I slipped in. I, I fell neck deep into the water. I was like, Oh, that was stupid. Oh, <laughs> I jumped up, started grabbing the rope and I immediately started going. And then as I was going, I think I went like two or three rungs in and my body just froze up. Like it was done. Like it was like, no, you're not moving at all. And I love the ape hanger. That's my favorite obstacle. Most favorite obstacle on the <laughs> series. I love doing it. I get mad at the fact that we only get to do it like maybe once or twice a year. And yeah. I was like, I was up there and I was shaking like crazy and I was shaking the whole thing. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to drop. Like I can't, I can't, I can't keep going. My hands wouldn't let go. Like I, my hands just kept staying there and I was like, I need to let go now. And I not, not go. going through rungs, just hanging on like a couple. Just hanging there. And I was hanging there for like a long time. I saw people go through it and I was like, I'm still here and I can't let go. My hands won't let go of this damn thing. And then finally it let go. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Like, I don't know why, but my hands wouldn't let go of this stupid ring. They're frozen on there. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, so weird. So I go through and then they tell me I have to do this penalty and it's a crawl, but the crawl itself is like you can't roll underneath it because they put the they put the the actual like bands they put them so low. I was like, oh man, and it, it was in snow, so now I'm cold and wet, doing a crawl in snow. Uh, to me, it was it was the most ridiculous setup I've ever seen in my life. It's a brutal like, penalty. Yeah, I was like, this penalty does not make sense. I was like, it took me 10 minutes to do the crawl. 10 minutes to do the crawl. I got out of there and I was like in like 50th or something like that. 
and I finally got out. My legs were turning blue. I was like, this is, this is the worst experience of my life. I got the double sandbag and I actually did well in that. And I was like, well, I know I'm fit, so I'm going to do the double sandbag. I did the double sandbag and then I did the swim and the swim was, made me frozen again. I came out of there. I was running down the hill completely frozen, not, not happy about my experience on the mountain this year. (laughs) And I was just really pissed at the end of the race. Like I was, I was disappointed at the fact that I wasn't able to showcase my fitness because I was very fit for that race. I was like, I had a, I had a really good buildup. My fitness was really good. I wasn't able to showcase my fitness. And that was the most annoying thing to me. So then, um, a few weeks later we got ready for Lebec and, when I was getting ready for the Beck, I had already transitioned to say like, Hey, I'm getting ready for the trail race at the end of the season because I want to be fit for that. And I know some road guys are going to show up to that race. And if they are, I want to be super fit. So started immediately going into, um, you know, mile repeats and like really like meaty, uh, half marathon training stuff. And man, I just like, you know, I started running really good. I was running fast. Everything was going good. I was starting to clip really good times. Um, I think the first time I did mile repeats, I was averaging like 452s or something. And I was like, wow, that was really, that was solid. I couldn't believe it. I was like, that was really good. Like I, all year I've been hitting like five flat, like 502. And then all of a sudden I'm like, it just clicked. Everything clicked perfectly. And then um, racing Lebec, and I smashed that course like crazy. Like there wasn't a moment I wasn't like really running hard. So I was really happy about my performance there. Um, came back and did Laughlin. Had a, a good performance there. I think I was really tired on training because I had done like really difficult training block in the week of the race. And then, um, uh, yeah, I got ready for the trail race and did really well against the competition that was there. Um and excited about my performance and, and excited for next year. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of good stuff happened in my training in prep for, uh, the trail race. So knowing that it's like, it's nothing but optimism going into the next, uh, next phase. Yeah. For sure, man. It should be. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, those are some really good performances. So all us national series, world championships, depending on where they are, I'm guessing, uh, North American championships, the whole deal. The whole deal, yeah. Doing a doing a tour. And, Mon- <laughs> and Monterey will be there. Come I'll be there in Monterey. Um well nice man. Well yeah, dude, I really appreciate you hopping on. A lot of good stuff. Um so yeah, we'll leave it at that. And once I turn this off, we'll stay on the screen so you don't have to like go right away. Um okay. but dude, I appreciate you popping on and yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs>